This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. Well, I've got, I've got a few words to say today. <laughs> um, by the way, I started crying uh, as soon as I got pregnant with Eva, and then I cried throughout the pregnancy and like throughout her life. Rabbi Panitz talked last night about crying at Ziva's uh, dance recital. There's never been a dance recital without my tears. There has never been a volleyball game or baseball game without tears. Um, and I think it's because I, I understand the passage of time, and I'm sure we can relate to each other in, uh, in moments like this. So in, in the earliest days of Ikar, Melissa and Adam uh, asked me to write a document, kind of a mission statement that would explain what the purpose of this community was. And I wrote in this document about the desire to build a community that would stand at the intersection of spirituality and social justice. And week after week, 18 years ago when we started, I I would stand up and try to articulate the centrality of decency and moral action in in our religious lives, in our faith commitments. And it was exciting and exhilarating, but I have to say that not everybody was on board with this intersection, this marriage between something that feels like religion and something that feels like politics, even though I kept trying to argue that everything's political. The way we treat the poor is political. If we pay attention to the genocide happening in Darfur, yes, that's political. If we pay attention to police violence and to racism and to violence against girls and women, if we, if we fight for equal justice for LGBTQ folks, if we talk about the climate, yes, you could call that political, but I see that as a direct reflection of my faith commitments, my belief that every human being is created in the image of God and deserves to be treated like that. There were some naysayers in the beginning. Most of them either came on board or left. I don't know. (laughs) You're still welcome here. I love to fight with people after services. And... (laughs) But there was one person in particular who constantly would come over to me after a a sermon and be like, come on, can't we just read poetry together? (laughs) Do you have to do that? Anyway, a few years passed, and then I got a call from this person. After he dropped his daughter off at college on the East Coast, and he said, I want you to know that I totally get it now. I get why you've been preaching about justice Because the whole game here is you got to try to make the world more just. Because one day, if you're really lucky, you will send someone you love, someone who's utterly precious to you out there into the world. And all you can do is hope and pray that the world and the people in it are decent and kind and fair and just. That is the work. So... (laughs) In addition to this being uh, Leora's bat mitzvah, it's also my daughter Eva's last Shabbat at home before she goes off to college. Um, Eva, who was six months old when Ikar started and who has tracked 
Ikar's growth with every one of her milestones and every one of her birthdays. I'm not crying. You're crying, Deborah. It's not me. <laughs> when Eva began to walk, Ikar was just getting off the ground. And when she started finding big words and putting them together in sentences, we were just finding our voice as a community. We hit our preteens hard, just as Eva did. We were a little bit rebellious, a little bit mischievous. We were serious, but we weren't too serious. Eva became bat mitzvah one week after the presidential election in 2016, when she and we were forced to stand strong and affirm exactly who we are in the world and what mattered most. And over the next several years, Eva and Ikar have been tearing through adolescence, digging ever deeper into our roots while also trying to reach for the stars. So I'm here to tell you today that Ikar is now college age, and both my kid and our community are ready to take off into the next chapter of their lives. So admittedly, this is the framework with which I opened up the Chumash this week, and read Parshat Akev through the eyes of a parent witnessing with awe and with gratitude and also with some sadness and trepidation the shifting sands of time in our own home. So what I want to say this morning is I really feel for Moshe. I feel for Moses. His children are about to go off on the adventure of their lives, and he wants them to go. He's worked really hard to get them to this moment. And he knows that it's an incredible blessing for them to be able to take this next step. And still he has to come to terms with the fact that he cannot go on with them. That is a wonderful and a privileged and a hard place to stand. And so I totally get why Moshe is rambling and emotional and super confused in his messaging in this week's parsha. This parsha, which is a mix of promises and warnings and internal contradictions. Don't worry, Moshe says at the beginning, God will love you and bless you and multiply you. You will be the most blessed. God will remove from you any obstacles, any illnesses. Also, you're going to be really scared. And don't be so scared, because your whole life has been a, a, a lesson for you, a lesson in humility, a lesson in gratitude, but also you've made some really terrible mistakes. You've been really deficient, and you rebelled, and you were very bad. But those mistakes also, they only made you stronger. So go on, go on to your journey without me, but don't forget about me. Don't forget about all the stuff I did for you along the way. Be grateful, don't be haughty. Don't ever believe that you deserve what's coming to you. Remember this message. Don't you ever, ever forget it. Rabbi Sachs calls this a political doctrine of such wisdom that can never be redundant or obsolete. But I hear in Moshe's voice not a political doctrine of incredible wisdom, but the desperate cry of a parent who's scrambling at the last minute, to message to his children what matters most before it's too late. Now, I do want to say that in preparation for bringing Eva 
to New York for college at the end of this coming week, Sivia shared with me a talk that she found helpful when she brought her own kids to college a few years ago. This is a talk from a professor at Emory called Marshall Duke, who I've quoted many times in various ways in this community. And he talks about how parents need to hold these liminal moments when we are ushering our kids into the next chapter of their lives. And he quotes Elie Wiesel. He, he quotes Elie Wiesel calling these privileged moments. And he says, whatever you say in these moments, know this, it sticks. So be really thoughtful about what you say. So what's Moshe really trying to say to B'nai Yisrael? Because in this, his final speech, he's got to know that whatever he's saying will stick. What does anyone say in a moment like this? What am I supposed to say? What's David supposed to say in these moments? I've been wrestling with this parasha all week until I finally realized that part of the reason that Moshe's message seems so confusing and confused stems from the fact that actually there are two messages he needs to share at this moment. Something he needs to say to his children and something that he needs to hear himself. So what Moshe needs his children to hear? Well, this I have to start by rewinding about 16 years to when Eva was a little person. And I called Marcelo, my rabbi, who some of you um, know well, and he'll be with us for the holidays, so you can sidle up to him at the Kiddush on Rosh Hashanah. I called Marcelo and I said, Marcelo, I am absolutely terrified. I'm terrified that I am going to screw this up, that I'm going to forget to pick her up one day from school and, and she's going to stand on the corner crying and waiting for me and I'm going to get a call from the school reminding me to pick her up and then she's going to be in therapy for the rest of her life. Why did my mom leave me on the corner? And Marcelo said, yes, my dear, this will happen. He said, you are going to screw this up, and you're going to screw it up in worse ways than forgetting her and leaving her at school too late one day. And there's one word for that, he said. It's called parenting. He said, making and owning mistakes is a wonderful life lesson for you to share with your children. So I know my kids are very blessed because I've given them many wonderful life lessons over the course of our years together. We've been through a lot, Moshe is saying to his children. I desperately hope that you're going to remember me not for raging at you after the golden calf when I made you eat poison, gold dust, and die. Sometimes I was impulsive, Moshe is saying. Yeah, sometimes I was impatient or I was busy or I was distracted. Sometimes I worked too late and I didn't listen well enough. But I'm asking you to find the grace he's saying to remember me for the abundance of goodness that I offered you throughout your life, for the depth of love that I held for you. I hope that you will remember the good in me when we are no longer together every day. And I hope that you'll remember what matters most. And, and what does matter most? Well, that message is buried in this parsha, right there in chapter 10. V'ta Yisrael ma'adonai elohecha sho'el me'imach. What is God asking of you four things, we're told, that you should live with awe. Live with a sense of awe. Let the world take your breath away. Walk in God's ways. Not in some abstract way, but in a concrete way, our rabbis say. Show up 
for a friend in need, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give a damn about the world. Walk in God's ways. Be driven by love, not by reward, not by grades, not even by fear. Be driven by love and be of service. Be of service with all your heart and all your soul. Live with awe, walk in God's ways, live with love, and be of service. Moshe blesses his children that when they enter the land and they fight great battles and they make even greater peace when they build courthouses and schoolhouses and homes, when they build a society that stands as a testimony to everything that they've experienced their whole lives so far, they must remember those four things. Live with awe. Concretize your values in your actions. Be driven by love and be a person who dedicates your life to service. That is what matters most. Now, what's the message that Moshe himself needs to hear? Well, we're told in a kind of cryptic passage in the next chapter, chapter 11, that the land that the people are about to enter into is not like Egypt, the land where they came from. Because when they would plant a vegetable garden in Egypt, they would have to water that garden, set up irrigation systems to water it. Now, when you get into Eretz Yisrael, all the water you need is going to come from the heavens, as a sign of God's love. Now that will leave Moshe's children incredibly vulnerable. And we want to believe, and he wanted to believe, that we can control outcomes. And thus we read in today's parasha, the second paragraph of the Shema. Observe the mitzvot, and God will make it rain, give you exactly what you need. And if you don't, you're going to perish. In other words, we can try to do our very best to create the conditions for success. But we have to realize that we cannot control all the outcomes. When B'nai Yisrael enters Eretz Yisrael, when the children of Israel enter the land without Moshe, they need to know that they are going to be on their own. And he needs to know that they need to be on their own. So the second lesson that Moshe needs is the one he has to tell himself and might be the most important parenting lesson of all which is, I cannot fully protect you. And this was always true, but it's even more true now. Once you cross over into this new land, know that I can't fix everything for you. I never could before, but maybe now Moshe and I are saying, we're getting a little bit more in touch with our limitations in ways that we didn't previously. I can't keep you from harm. All I can do is promise you that I love you, and that even when we're apart, I'm right here. So I want to say that I feel for Moshe. <laughs> After all that he'd been through with this people, I get why he was a little bit rambly and emotional and uneven. I get why he was bursting into tears with no warning. But I'm grateful to him for offering the message in this parsha so long ago that I, and I'm sure others who are here in this room, needed to hear on this Shabbat. So I want to ask anybody who has a child or a grandchild who's heading off to college or graduate school, or a loved one who's entering the next chapter of their lives, maybe getting their own place for the first time, maybe starting in a new school, starting at the ECC. Anyone who has somebody here who you love who's entering an exciting or dangerous 
or uncertain new chapter to please stand with me so that we can hear together the echoes of Moshe's blessings, what he believed his children needed to hear, and what he knew and understood that we too need to hear. So please stand. Don't make me stand alone. If you have someone you love who's in a liminal moment, in treatment, in a journey toward healing, in a journey of grief, moving toward the awareness of life without a loved one right by their side, in a journey of newness and hope and possibility, a journey toward love, please stand with us. Holy One of Blessing, may our beloveds enter this new stage of their lives with blessing. May be your will, O God, and God of all of those who came before us, that their journey leads them on a path toward deeper awareness of both the brokenness and the beauty of our world. As their knowledge grows, may their curiosity grow. As their world expands, so may their sense of obligation to help heal it. As their responsibilities grow, so may their humility. Help us come to terms with the fact that we cannot protect them from all danger and all harm. But please help them remember in the hardest and darkest of moments that they are not alone. Help them surround themselves by those who are kind and decent and honest and caring. Help them find and build relationships that will nourish their spirits and honor their dignity. Help them respond to the harshness of the world with tender hearts and greet closed doors with ingenuity and creativity that might budge those doors open. Help them shine like the radiant lights they are. Help them feel a deep attachment to our tradition and be the radicals that you put them into this world to be. We have endeavored to feed them a diet of love and care, wakefulness and gratitude. Now teach them to feed themselves with strength, with courage, and with self-love. Help them remember now and always that even when we're no longer right here, we are always right here. Baruch Ata Adonai. Shomea tefillah. Praised are you, God, who hears all of our prayers. Together we'll say, Amen. Hi, it's Rabbi Brass again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission, to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon.